What's going on, everyone? I'm Peter Medlin, and welcome back to Teacher's Lounge. If you're not familiar with us, we are a podcast on WNIJ that tells the stories of education with the help of in-depth interviews with local educators who are brought to us by you, the listener. You can nominate educators you think should be on this show and make topic suggestions, too, by emailing us at teacherslounge at niu.edu. This week, I'm really excited to say we have kind of a sports episode for you. I sat down with Neil Bertram. He's Rockford Lutheran's baseball coach and PE teacher for 35 years. I see that it teaches people that you have to work with other people and uh, you have to put aside your own individual goals at times. So that's going to happen in a workplace. That's going to happen in your family life. And he's still doing it. So we talked about the impact his high school basketball coach and PE teacher had on him, the joy of watching his students and athletes grow more confident, and baseball as an allegory for life. All of that and a lot more. But first... It's on to the show. I'm sure if you've listened to this show before, or if you know me personally at all, you know I'm a huge sports fan. Maybe you've heard me talk about the Chicago Bears and accidentally jinxed quarterback Mitchell Trubisky just a few weeks ago on this show in my conversation with Lisette Jacobson. Go back and listen to that episode after this one, by the way, if you haven't. It's a good one. But anyway, I was raised on sports in a lot of ways. It's something I got to bond with my dad and my brother with growing up. Going to baseball games, talking about it, and collecting baseball cards were a huge part of my life. We even have two seats from the St. Louis Cardinals' old Bush Stadium in the basement at my dad's house right now. So I was so excited to be able to talk about baseball and sports in general just a little bit in this episode. I sat down with a baseball coach, as you already know, and I sat down with an Illinois state representative. I talked to Maurice West, he's a Democrat from Rockford, and he's also the co-sponsor of a pretty important and semi-controversial piece of sports-related legislation up for a vote during this week's veto session. It's a plan to allow college players to make money off of their likeness and accept paid endorsements. As of now, if you're a college student-athlete who accepts money connected at all to your skills, you forfeited your amateur status. That could be an endorsement deal, it could be ad revenue from your YouTube channel. Either way, in the eyes of the NCAA, you've now become a professional athlete. State Representative Maurice West of Rockford is a co-sponsor of the plan to throw out that NCAA provision. He knows there's only a small number of student-athletes who would likely benefit from the plan. Student-athletes know that too, but West still says he's hearing from several former and current athletes who've asked him to support the bill. Some of these athletes I know for sure would not have received any endorsements, but it's the mere fact that they understand how it is to be an athlete, and they understand the, that if it was this crazy for me at this particular school, I can imagine, I can't imagine how crazy it is for an athlete at a bigger school. The plan is known as the Student Athlete Endorsement Act, and it passed through the House with bipartisan support. But bipartisan doesn't mean unanimous. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle took umbrage with what the bill could mean for the very nature of college sports. State Representative Anthony DeLuca is a Democrat from Chicago Heights. DeLuca said it was a sad day and that the measure is, quote, driving a knife, a dagger right through the heart of amateur athletics. West disagrees. This doesn't change the competitive nature of the game. Athletic directors from many Illinois public universities also oppose it. They're worried about athletes being taken advantage of by sponsors or agents. West says it just evens the metaphorical playing field for all students. I could be on a full ride for band, and I yet am able to play at a bar and make money on a Friday night. But a full ride athlete has the most restrictions. They can't do anything. There are other examples. What about an art student selling their pieces online? 
yeah, the school doesn't make as much money off of them as they do with our athletes, but that should be a red flag right there as well. Millions of dollars are made on our students. Coaches are being paid millions of dollars. That last part is true. The highest paid public employee in the state of Illinois is the U of I head football coach, Lovey Smith, who made $3.3 million in 2017. West also highlights the grueling schedule student-athletes are often under. In 2014, the football team at Northwestern University tried to unionize and be recognized as employees of the school. One of their reasons was the workload. Players reported working an upward of 60 hours a week in preseason training and around 40 per week, including travel during the season itself. They have practice in the morning, practice in the afternoon, practice in the evening. When do they have time to do homework? When do they have time to eat? In September, California passed a similar law to the one in Illinois. The NCAA condemned it at the time, saying it upends the competitive balance and would give the state an unfair recruiting advantage. However, the law wouldn't go into effect until 2023. That's the same with the plan in Illinois. West says that was done to pressure the NCAA to take action, but give them the time to do so before the balance would be upset. And West says he hopes other states do the same to keep sending the message to the NCAA. They did issue a statement shortly after the Illinois plan passed through the House. It said it would start the process to alter its rules and let athletes profit from their likeness. But they still oppose California's plan and plans like it. The president of the NCAA said it would convert college athletes into employees and would open the door to pay-to-play situations. Many supporters of the paid endorsements weren't satisfied with the statement. The executive director of the National College Players Association said it was another attempt to stall the issue. State Representative Emanuel Welch first introduced the Illinois plan. He called the statement a PR stunt that lacked substance. West also wasn't excited by the answer. It seemed like their statement was more reactive to what's going on instead of being proactive. The NCAA said it's hoping to have modified rules in place to let athletes profit in some way from their likeness by 2021. In the meantime, other legislation at the federal level could be coming soon. Now, before we move on, I want you guys to know about another great WNIJ podcast, Drinking with Lincoln. I'm Clint Cargile, host of WNIJ's podcast series, Drinking with Lincoln. Each episode looks at Abraham Lincoln's life and legacy through the eyes of the people who know him best. Lincoln presenters. The audience has to know about the humor of Lincoln. He just had one of the greatest senses of humor of any of our presidents. We also have a couple drinks and get to know the presenters themselves. Where they come from, why they do what they do, what makes them Lincoln. Even some of the patients would say, uh, need that orderly that looks like Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> now you clearly like podcasts, so if you like history and you like people, you'll definitely enjoy Drinking with Lincoln. They have a new episode out right now, but go and listen to that one, you know, after, after you're done here with Teacher's Lounge. Now it's time for our news roundup. Normally it's just education news that you might have missed, but let's keep it on brand this week. Let's keep it on theme with what we're talking about. So let's just go veto session and other student-athlete related stuff that's in the news. However, I do want to mention that today is the last day of the veto session. So there's still going to be stuff that's up for vote later on after I record this, after it's all ready to go. So as we like to say in public radio, things may have changed by the time you hear this. So some news that has to do with the NCAA and college football. Ohio State star defensive end Chase Young, who is a Heisman Trophy candidate this year and is going to be a really high draft pick, was suspended two games by the NCAA. He had accepted a loan from who he says was a family friend so he could fly his girlfriend to Pasadena when he played in the Rose Bowl last year. Now, Young says that he paid that off in full, and the NCAA was actually initially going to make it a four-game suspension, but they decided to shorten it just a few days ago. Now, some college sports analysts, as you might think, were really unhappy with the NCAA's decision to suspend Young at all and said that what they were actually doing was punishing him for being a poor student-athlete. 
Another important bill during the veto session this week would cap out-of-pocket costs a diabetic would have to pay for insulin at $100 for a month's supply. There are also two bills aimed at vaping products. One of them would ban flavored vaping products, and the other one would include vaping and e-cigarettes in the Smoke-Free Illinois Act. That's the law that prohibits you from smoking in public places and within 15 feet of entrances. All right, now it's time for my conversation with Illinois High School Baseball Hall of Fame coach Neil Bertram. Did you say that you had some uh, some meetings with uh, the baseball team sometime this week or today? Uh, just last week we had one, just informal, just trying to see how many kids I have going out again this year. Right, yeah, so you get to start the winter workouts pretty soon and stuff sure. like that. yeah. And I always thought it was funny. The, the winter workouts and at the very beginning of the season when you'd have to, like, you know, run the halls. And I'm like, you know, we're going to try to play in some of the gyms. And, and it, there's something just, like, so off that, that about playing baseball in a gym. But then, like, the first day that it's nice enough to play outside is, like, the most pure joy, right? Because yeah. like not only has the season started, but, like, also spring is finally here, right? Yeah, for the most part. Um, we usually have about two weeks of practice before we can actually get outside. I think now with the weather getting bad here in, in November already, it's going to be maybe a long winter. Anyway, so you've been uh, the coach at Rockford Lutheran for, for how long now, Neil? This will be my 35th year. Uh, I've taught for 36 years. About nine years ago, I had uh, double knee replacement, so I had to not coach for that year. I guess the pains of being a, a high school baseball coach and, and all the uh, throwing batting practice and things like that kind of caught up to me then. 30 years of, of hitting infield has caught sure, up to you. Sure, sure. <laughs> now, as someone that has been coaching for as long as you and has seen more baseball than 99 percentile of people, do you still, in your free time, do you still like watching? Like, would you get home and would you watch? you know the White Sox or something like that? Oh definitely I'm a, I'm a sports freak. Are you a Sox uh, or Cubs fan? I'm a Cubs fan. You're a Cubs fan? Um, I'm a Sox fan. And it comes down to it I'm definitely a Chicago fan but if I had to come down to both of them I'd probably say a Cubs fan first. Oh really? Did you grow up a Cubs fan and everything? Yeah even though my mom when I was growing up uh, she when she was younger worked at uh, Mack Truck which was right next to Comiskey Park. She used to go to uh, lunch at Comiskey for extended lunch but uh, really? Growing up, I, I, I grew up in Crystal Lake and basically a Cub fan all my life, I guess. I was reading a, one or f- a few articles that I think that when you got inducted in the, the Hall of Fame, I think it, it was one of those articles, and it, they talked about like you know the person that kind of made you want to coach. And who it was your high school basketball coach? Is it that was right? my high school basketball coach, a guy by the name of John Swenson. Coach Swenson is retired. Uh, he's actually a golf pro, uh, lives in Rockford, and uh, he coach, or, uh, gives lessons at Timber Point Golf Course. He instrumental in my life because my father passed away when I was uh, a freshman in high school. And Coach Swenson was my physical education teacher and high school basketball coach. My older brothers played basketball for him. And Coach Swenson ran the local chapter of our Fellowship Christian Athletes and really became uh, almost like a second father to me in a way. And I knew right away when I was in high school that I wanted to be a coach. And along with the, the direction of my stepfather and then my college baseball coach, uh, between those three people, really instrumental, especially Coach Swenson and, and my college coach, Tom McDivitt, really wanted me to become a coach. And I pretty much knew that right away. I wanted to be a teacher and a coach. And phys ed, just like Coach Yeah, Swenson. physical education, just like Coach Swenson. And I knew I wanted to work with kids. And I pretty much had a clear-cut idea of what I wanted to do right away when I went to college. There was no changing my major or anything like that really always high school was that always what you had in mind yeah uh and it's kind of kind of weird right now the i 
have taught at the high school for 33 years. In the last three years, I've been at Rockford Lutheran Academy teaching uh, pre-K to fifth grade PE. And I needed a change at the time, and it, it's kind of fun. So how many years have you been doing the pre-K through? This is my third year. Through fifth or how? Yeah, through fifth grade. Interesting. You know, so. I when I was a senior in high school, I was thinking that I was going to be, you know, a physical therapist or something like that. And they had a couple different like internships that you could do. And, and somehow, I don't even know how it happened, but I ended up my senior year teaching fourth and fifth grade gym class. And I loved it. It was fantastic. And I think there's just like, there's so much that you can learn, especially like kids that age. There's like so much that you can learn about who someone is based on like, you know, how they try in these things, what they do, how they interact with other people. It's just like a really fascinating like sociology to see like how those kids play with each other, how they interact and like what that looks like. It definitely um, gives you joy when you see a young man, a young woman, young girl, uh, say, hey, Mr. Bertram, I got it. You know, show me how to do that. I got it, Mr. Bertram, I can do it. And I love that as, as being a teacher, even in the high school, when you see kids have success and figure things out. I think that's one of my favorite things of being a teacher and coach. I get to see kids mature and as they grow up and get confident in what they're doing. Uh, and it doesn't have to be in physical education. It can be anything that they're doing. It, it's great to see kids get confidence and uh, figure things out. Yeah. And um, I wanted to ask, too, you know, um, what did you play in college? Um, actually, when I went to college, I walked on at Eastern Illinois University and uh, started playing infield. And then I moved to outfield when I was a sophomore and uh, played most of my college career in the outfield, actually. And uh, my last two years, I played uh, left field and then I played right field. And uh, was fortunate, my, my college team in 1981, we were second in the nation in Division Two, and uh, had some pretty talented teammates. I was, I wouldn't say forced, but if I wanted to play, I had to, you know, play a different position. I was fine with that. Yeah. Because uh, I had to work for everything that I got. And uh, quite a few of my teammates have gone on to great careers. A guy by the name of Kevin Seitzer is actually the hitting coach for the Atlanta Braves right now. Probably about eight to nine of my college teammates are baseball coaches. Have careers in baseball. Careers in baseball. And a lot of that has to be uh, attributed to Coach McDivitt. And great resource. I get a chance to give them a call. And I even still call uh, Coach McDivitt once in a while to get his thoughts. You know, it's it's interesting. I always think, you know, especially with baseball, about how the baseball, se- baseball games, but also the baseball season is, you know, people always consider it to be like one of the longer ones in sports. And it's just like a super unique experience. For you, having coached for 30 years or whatever, how does that influence your perspective on a given game, but also, you know, the season as a whole? Well, I think the one word that kind of comes up is perseverance and maybe uh, stick-to-itiveness. Yeah. Uh, You kind of have to be, you can't let things get too high or too low. Uh, you know you always have a game coming up. Obviously, here in northern Illinois with the weather that we have, it uh, makes it tough between the, the cold weather and, and the rain and all the you know weather that we have in the spring. So uh, we're not California where we can play all year round. No. So, I mean, when you get the opportunity to play, you know, in high school you get 35 games you can play. You, you really got to um, enjoy the time that you have playing on the field because it doesn't last very long sometimes. They work hard. They train hard. Uh, kids have great opportunities now with travel ball. Uh, I've always felt with my players that no matter um, who's coaching them, they can get a voice and learn something from people. They have to be able to interact with people and take take things from a lot of people 
to to maybe kind of meld them what they're going to be. Right, and you get a lot of. I mean, with the way the game works too, there's a lot of opportunity for like leadership within the team too, mm-hmm. right? And it's always something a th- thing I've been fascinated with, and I've talked to other teachers about this too, and use sports as a metaphor for this. But this is almost a direct thing, which is that when it comes to leadership and being a good coach, you know, some people might have the misperception that the best players always become the best coaches, but that's not the case. Yeah, you're probably right in that. I have, I've had quite a few students that I hopefully I had a pretty good influence that are now coaches. Yeah. Uh, I have a young man that teaches uh, up in Green Bay, just moved up there. We like go out to breakfast once a month. Same thing I do with Coach Swenson in town. But um, I think that when students or coaches see students or players that have passion, you kind of fuel that and try to give them the resource to get better. Yeah, I think today there's more opportunities for students and players to try things, but I don't know if I'd want to be a student in this era now because there's so many things trying to grab their attention in life. Right, that, uh, it's almost hard to be a kid. When I was in high school, it was okay, whatever the fall sport you played, the fall sport you played football, or cross country, whatever it was, and then your your classmates or teammates went on to play basketball, which I played, and then you went on to spring and you played that with your friends. Um, sometimes I think there's too much special, um, specialization now, but, um, I think we always at, at, especially at Rockford Lutheran, I think a lot of places also that are still instilling that you play a couple sports. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I was actually just reading a book not too long ago that was uh, written by a sports journalist named David Epstein thing, and he was kind of saying that actually there's a lot of studies that say people that play multiple sports and are able to make connections across fields and across games and across all these different topics, that's actually like the best way to engage your brain in that thing. And for a lot of cases, you know, th- that can actually work even better than focusing just in on one thing. Well, it's interesting. I Baseball definitely was my number one love, but basketball was it was right there. Yeah, and uh, I tell people now today that my friends might have been really good at basketball and I was really good at baseball, but we each brought a special uh, thing to the team dynamic. But we had to meld our feelings and our abilities to be able to make that team. Right. You know, they always say, hey, the last person on your team, uh, you need to bring them along with everybody else for you to right. have a like good you're team. You're only as good as the last person on your team. To Correct. Feel, right? Yeah, that's that's what I was looking to say. I got you. <laughs> um, with that being said, I think when you see kids specialize, you're kind of losing some of the common kid that could be a benefit to the other teams. Right. And uh, they don't always have to be a star. They can be the person that fills in the gaps. Right, because that's what and, that, and that, lifts up the team. Right at the end of the day, that's you know what that's what makes successful teams is people knowing what their role is and how to execute within that. Right to like make sacrifices for the greater good, almost. Right, right? and students and players, you know, they have different reasons for going out. Their oh, course, parents yeah. might have made them, or it's their true love, or uh, they don't want to have to work. They love being with their friends, and so right, you know they're a part of the team. And they have a they have a vital role. You're you're trying to find a spot on that team or role on their team for your players that will help them succeed. You know, I, I was I was curious about this too. You know, just talking about the whole breadth of your career and how much baseball you've seen, and you've seen winning seasons, really successful seasons, and you've seen seasons maybe like last year where you wish that you could have won more games. But through all of that, are there still 
particular games, whether they be really amazing wins or heartbreaking losses over the years that, or just you remember for any particular reason that you go back to or that you think about every once in a while? I say there's a few. We we happened to be fortunate to go down state in 2016. We got third in in Class 2A, and so you, uh, split, you played in the semifinals. Played in semifinals, and we lost four to three, and then came back and won four to three to get get third place. But I guess I I don't really think about the wins. I think about you know people talk about the process. Yeah. Uh, of working hard, every team, every year is you're trying to figure out the pieces of the puzzle and who's going to fit where. Um, You have a student or a player that, as a junior, had maybe a a lower role on the team, but then he becomes a senior and he really takes ownership of that team. I've had that happen quite a bit. I would say that's probably really fun for you to see. You know, as you get classes of kids coming in all the time to see them make those progressions from – being freshmen all the way to like you know taking on those leadership positions and to see that real-time growth right yeah it's kind of back to what we talked about physical education about you know seeing kids grow and mature it's the same thing on their athletic endeavors in baseball where um, they get the confidence they got a little stronger uh, maybe through their summer competition and, and their work ethic and their weight room training and all their personal training and something clicks and I always ask my kids, we have a strength and uh, weakness handout I give them, talking about what do you want to be known for as a baseball team. And it, does, it doesn't really come down to them saying, hey, we want to w- win this many games. We want to be able to do this, play the game the right way, um, present ourselves in the proper way, play, you know, honor the game by playing it the right way. Right. And uh, I kind of look to that as being um, – no matter if we won or lost, obviously the wins are great, but if we competed at a high level and, and gave our best and, and just really represented ourselves well on the field, that gives me a great memories through the years. It's easy to get romantic about baseball in, in a certain way. You know, we talked a lot about perseverance and about growth and leadership and stuff like that, and people a lot of times we use sports as an allegory for life in that way. I'm curious, thinking about it from that perspective, and you might have answered this as we've had this conversation, but what's, can you think of another really, a lesson that you've learned about kind of the power of baseball and the power of sports as you've seen it? Well, I'd say um, you're going to run in situations in life that knock you down, and I think that happens in any sport that you play, you know, not just baseball. But you have to come back with a mindset of that's not going to get me down I'm going to try again or I'm going to uh, persevere and a commitment I've been at Rockford Lutheran all my career I'll have to admit when I first got the job I didn't think I'd be longer there there than four years but I've been there for 36 I see that it teaches people that you have to work with other people and uh, you have to put aside your own individual goals at times so that's going to happen in a workplace. That's going to happen in your family life with who, you, who your spouse and, and kids are. And uh, one of the tenets we have at Lutheran High is, and I think a lot of schools too, have the, the service component in our school um, values, is you got to be willing to give of yourself toward others. And the old saying that, you know, you gain more than you ever thought imaginable sometimes if you give your service to your teammate, your classmates, 
uh, your family. Um, it can't all be about you. Right. There's a certain level in athletics of sacrifice behind those for, like, like you said, for the greater team, right? Right. Have you had the opportunity to coach generations yet? Have you had? Oh, definitely. Had I, uh, um, I have some students now that are uh, in the elementary school that I had their dads up at Lutheran High. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it definitely makes me feel old, but also. Uh, <laughs> as much as the knee replacements might. That, that right. Too, yeah. But I also get to see them grow as fathers and to their sons. Right. You get to continue on. Right. And, and I get to have that relationship, you know, and I'm, I'm a grandfather. I have two granddaughters. And uh, so I get to see the progression of, of their maturity, not just now as teenagers, but as fathers and, and family men. That is pretty neat. So you're a grandparent. Uh, Did you ever have the chance to coach any of your kids then? Uh, no, I had two girls. Oh, you had two girls. You never co- tried to coach softball or anything? No. We started, my one daughter ended up playing a little t-ball and stuff like that, but they kind of gravitated to volleyball and, and basketball. So, oh, but basketball, see, and you, you played basketball too. I got a uh, chance to a little too, bit, yeah. Like, not like uh, as a sports parent, you know, especially as someone that's a coach too, are you able to be – hands off are you able to, or do you take it seriously are you in the front row what do you like as a sports parent I think I backed off I was pretty good about You're backing good off <laughs> yeah I'm sure there's times I had to bite my tongue but I pretty much can back off uh, just saw my granddaughter this weekend who's only five years old uh, start playing uh, YMCA basketball so yeah. I had a blast I had so much fun seeing the joy of kids playing yeah, and you said that your high school coach that inspired you to to be a coach, and it was kind of a father figure for you. You still you have breakfast with him every month. You still get yeah, to... I do. Coach Swenson, every time that um, we get on the phone, he always says, "I love you," which is great to hear. I say, "I love you back." Um, we can talk about things, not even sport wise, but we can talk things what's happening in our lives. And uh, I think we'll always have that connection just because of who he, who he is. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I have to ask 36 years. You feeling like you just, you're ready for another 15, 20? How many, how many more do you got in you? I don't know. Depends on what the good. Is that something you even think about? I, I really don't. I'm sure there's going to come a time that I'm really going to have to think about when I'm going to stop coaching. But right now, I don't see that in the next five years. Absolutely. I still really enjoy it. I love being around young people. They energize me. I get some people that I've been around say, Mr. Bertram, you haven't changed you know, your looks in all these years. I said, well, if you only knew what my body felt like sometimes. But uh, as, long as, uh, as long as I'm physically able to do it, it's, something that I, it's the only thing almost I know what to do. All right, that's it. That's this week's episode. Thank you again for stopping by for another episode of Teacher's Lounge. We want to give a special thanks, of course, to our guest this week, Neil Bertram. As always, we want to encourage you to send in your suggestions, your nominations for topics and teachers who you think should be on this show. Email all of those to teacherslounge at niu.edu. Wherever you're listening to this, WNIJ.org maybe, or if you're listening on a podcast service like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, subscribe, leave us a rating, whatever you want to do. Five stars? Five stars would be great. Let's do that. And special thanks, of course, to the Rockford Area Band, Kind Ups, for providing the amazing music that you hear every single episode of this show. Kind Ups is spelled K-I-N-D-O-V-E-S. 
they have an appearance on our own Sessions from Studio A show, so you can check out that performance. I'm going to be throwing that in the show notes that you can find on our website. We will be back with another episode very, very soon, so make sure you come back for more Teacher's Lounge. I've been your host, Peter Medlin. Have a great week. 